Hey, how's it going? Not bad. How about you? Glad to hear it. Uh, honestly, Bye -bye. pretty much just. Um, all right. So I think uh, I think we both have these these bots recording. So hopefully we will not have any audio <laughs> issues last time. Um, all right. So yeah, I mean, more and more people will start to filter in as as the talk goes on. But um, maybe if you could introduce yourself, uh, if people who might not know who you are, that would be a great way to start. Uh, for sure. So I'm Robert. Uh, I've been programming since I was about seven, uh, doing web dev and such since I was about 11. Uh, I've worked on several things, made a couple apps, worked at a couple companies, and yeah. Cool. All right. So you're a software developer, right? That's it. Okay. Um, and you also are the owner of the TypeScript Discord server, or like, how are you involved with that? Yeah, uh, so I started it with a friend around late 2018 and have cool. it ever since. Huh, all right. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, I guess we could just start this off by kind of um, discussing like what got you into all these things, because uh, it seems like you have multiple interests um, between, you know, software development, community building, although in, in this case, the, the community does kind of go hand in hand with the, the software development because it is, you know, TypeScript. Um, so yeah, like what, was there sort of an aha moment that, that got you started in uh, these sorts of ventures? Uh, yeah, so I think programming was the start of all of it all. Um, so I think the first real time I got into programming seriously was through Minecraft. And I think that's quite a common common experience for a lot of people here. But making plugins and mods for my friends when I was seven, eight. Uh, obviously, there were some smaller things before that. But what really got me excited about it was Minecraft. And I think that's shared with a lot of other people here. Hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the people we've spoken to um, for other other builder talks, like we'll we'll talk about having gotten into things sort of via gaming um so how does how exactly does development tie in with minecraft like with mods and stuff you said yeah exactly so making mods my friends plugins like just new experiences from the vanilla is what how it started well all right um all right so that's that's how you got introduced to software development um what uh, I mean, looking at kind of your your Twitter profile, you you got involved with a couple startups, right? One of which being Sub.so, which which you started with Scott Hyatt, another guy that we we've spoken to. Um, how did how did that transition from like, um, you know, sort of creating mods and plugins for for Minecraft turn into like web development software startups? Yeah. So my first, it all started with Node.js back when I was about eleven, and it all started from uh, making Discord bots. Uh, I would, at, at the start, I used to own Overwatch Discord servers before I started web development or anything, because I was quite into the game at the time. And I owned a server called The Watchers at the time. And I wanted to make bots for that, that did things uh, that were bespoke to the community. But at the time, I didn't know how to make them. So I looked okay. at some tutorials and I saw that, you know, Node.js, Discord.js were the ways to do it. So I just kind of got into Node. And that spiraled into Vue, which spiraled into React, which is why I'm up today. Ah, OK. Um, interesting. Yeah, actually, Discord bot was the, the first time that I sort of got involved with any sort of 
um, software projects or, or startups. Uh, I, I made this multi-purpose Discord bot with a friend who who knew JavaScript. Um, so, all right, and TypeScript. If I'm not mistaken, can't you make TypeScript bots on Discord? Like, isn't there some sort of? Uh, I know the most common ones are like JavaScript and, and Python, but I don't I don't really know how it works specifically. I mean, TypeScript is just an addition to JavaScript. So anything you can do in JavaScript, you can do in TypeScript. Uh, it just adds some nice features on top of it. So oh, okay. you could you can make Discord bots either. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, all right. And so right now you're working on. I, I know you're working at Primer right now, and I want to get into that in a bit. Um, but I, I guess I, I do want to focus on things like like sub .so. Um, how did you meet like people like Scott Hyatt? Cause I know that you're, you're pretty well known in like these kinds of, um, startup circles on discord. Yeah. So I actually all started through Twitter, which is where most of my things have come from. Uh, I originally met Alistair, who I think you've talked to before on Twitter, talking about some JavaScript argument. I think it was to do with imports or something. And we connected on discord and we started talking a bit. Then Alistair introduced me to Scott. And, you know, through that, we started Subso. But it all just started on Twitter. Oh, cool. All right. And um, so what was your role in Subso? You were, you were a co-founder or how? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We co-founded co it together. And I did a lot of the development. Nice. Um, all right. And so Subso is sort of like, uh, we spoke to Jamie Pine before. He was doing something called Notify. Is it, from what I have seen, it looks sort of similar? Yeah, or... so Jamie originally started Notify doing what Subso does today, where it joins a bunch of social media feeds together, like Twitter, uh, Twitch, YouTube, all together into a, a single feed. And that's what Notify originally did. But he switched the idea over, kind of pivoted into a creator fan interaction platform, which you know is also very cool. But Scott and huh. I kind of missed what Notify used to be. So we wanted to make it ourselves. But there are definitely some uh, overlaps between Notify and Subso. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, when I, when Jamie closed up shop on that, um, I'm pretty sure, I'm just going to check Twitter right now. Yeah, I, I see that they, oh, okay, now he's working on Sub2. So that's different. That's not Subso, right? Yeah, but he actually oh, owns okay. Sub2. He owned Sub2 while we started working on Subso. So it was always a bit of a joke how there was one character between the two okay. characters. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, you're really involved with software development stuff. Um, how did the whole TypeScript server come to, come to fruition? Were you working with the team behind TypeScript or was it sort of just like, you, you're a fan of the of the framework or the language or whatever it is. Sorry, I'm not a developer. Um, and you just kind of went off on your own and 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 did it. Yeah, so this is a whole story. Uh, and it started all back around late 2018. I was 11. Uh, and I said, said to my friend, you know, oh, I don't see any Discord communities for TypeScript because I was looking to start something new because my Overwatch communities were kind of wrapping up. And I was, you know, what? what could we make? And I was like, oh, there aren't any TypeScript servers. Um, so we made one, started off very small. We did a couple posts on Reddit. And at the time, we were completely unaffiliated with any of the TypeScript team. They didn't even know about us. Uh, but it was quite a quite an unactive small server. Um, 
but it kind of sat like that for about a year and a half until around 2019 when this person called Auto on the TypeScript team uh, joined the server and you know started talking and interacting and that definitely boosted the activity because there was a actual TypeScript team member in the server. Uh, okay. Um, uh, but they wanted to. So it turns out Microsoft actually wanted to start their own TypeScript uh, Discord server because they had used a platform called Gitter before. I'm not sure if anyone here has heard of it, but it's not it's not great. And they wanted to switch over to something more robust. So they started. Uh, so they wanted a Discord server, but they didn't want to make their own, like manage it. So Auto joined and was like, you know, hey guys, this is cool. We want to make this official. But we'll have to, you know, we'll have to make some changes. So, right. we're like, okay, that's cool. Obviously, so we're like, that's cool. We it was quite strict, you know. We had a talk with some Microsoft lawyers. I don't know how you know far I could go into that, but we uh, we figured out a way of making it official while keeping us as owners. And uh, we, you know, talked about rules, you know, keeping up with Microsoft's code of conduct. And eventually, we turned it into something that Microsoft team could actually endorse. Uh, so uh, this was around late 2019, very early 2020, before Corona or anything came around, and you know it became official, and they put a link to it on the TypeScript, uh, the TypeScript website, on the community page, and that's when it really started skyrocketing. Uh, that's our, crazy. Our member flow went from around maybe 100 people per, per month to like 2,000. So jeez. Yeah. So. Uh, we started seeing a lot more activity there, and it's you know, ever since then, it's been a lot of scaling and a lot of figuring out what's best. But yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, like as a community builder myself, that's uh, that's kind of like a dream come true. You know, you, you build something as a, as a fan of something, and then the actual you know official people behind it um, not only want to work with you, but you know they're okay with you having ownership and managing it, uh, and then they and then they plug it, which is which is crazy. Um, exactly. Right, so yeah. I, yeah. Um, all right. I think Barricat wanted to say something. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I had a question actually uh, more about because I know the TypeScript server has some, uh, you know, like technical stuff and including like the bot. Um, and I know it has some like functionality towards like the helper channels and all of that. Um, so going more into that part, um, how, how do you guys create the bot? Um, and since I know it's like, a bit of a different system with the channels um and them opening up and closing and whatnot um so if you could like explain more about how that works that that would be really cool yeah for sure so we when we reached around ten thousand members we started seeing an issue where we had two help channels help one and help two but and those were becoming way overcrowded people were asking questions over each other People were, you know, people's questions were getting buried, meaning they weren't getting the help they wanted. And it was coming a mess overall. Uh, so we decided that, you know, this really isn't working and this is creating quite a bad experience for our members. So we were like, okay, what, what would a good solution to this be? And in the end, uh, the Python Discord server, who I'm quite good with their owner, Joseph, uh, they had a solution kind of similar to what we have now, where they had channels and there were a bunch of channels and you could claim a channel for your question and you know you go through the question your a helper helps you then when you're done the channel kind of gets recycled back into available channels uh so we're like okay we can try this out and we ended up building it ourselves uh, in typescript obviously in our own bot and that and it, it worked quite well uh it took a bit of you know tweaking to get working properly and working well with our community 
but it turned out to be a great solution for about a year and a half. Uh, and actually, only recently, about two weeks ago, we switched over to a new system uh, which utilizes Discord threads, which means that aren't a mess, there isn't a mess of channels and instead just a one channel with a bunch of threads, which has been working quite well and we think we're going to keep. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really good system. And like I've used it to myself um, and it works really smooth. Um, so, yeah, that is very cool. Um, so, um personally since uh, of course like you, you and uh the i think his name was dream uh he made you guys created typescript discord server so what are your thoughts on just overall general typescript um and like maybe it compared to javascript or like any recommendations if people should learn yeah i mean i'm obviously i'm a big big advocate for typescript uh i've used it for many years and it's been a big part of my development career but you know i i love it personally i mean javascript's just a mess full stop you know dynamically typed barely any tooling around it for typing you know there's stuff like js doc but it's nowhere close to where typescript is so i think it's definitely you know i don't think you should learn typescript without learning javascript but you know once you have your you know once you have a grasp of javascript Going on to TypeScript is definitely, you know, a very good decision, and it brings it closer to a lot of other more typed languages, which I think is great. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a really good language, and I know a bunch of people here just in the server and just like outside of it enjoy it and use it. Um, it it does have a really good type system. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, so going beyond that, um. I, just on startup space and you um i i know you've built subso and um you've worked um a, a bit at giggle too and now premiere um so be before subso i guess um j- just starting you starting off programming uh what do you remember some of your very early projects that you've worked on or early startups i guess um before subso yeah, so before Subso, I worked for this company called Edge, which uh, Scott was the CTO there, and Alistair worked there as well with me. So, uh, you know, they hired me, and that was a great kind of first company experience. You know, obviously it didn't work out for us in the end, personally, but it was a great way to, like, see how people work, to like, get in the kind of environment like that. Um, but before that, I'm trying to think of some... Obviously, there's a lot of Minecraft plugins. I made, like, Dimensions, loads of stuff before that. But I think a lot of Discord bots as well. But I think Edge was the first real catapult into serious web development and actual products for users. Because before that, it was mostly just me hacking around, making stuff for my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know even like Scott and Ali have also done stuff at Edge and done stuff with like Minecraft. And I, I guess, as you said earlier, that's a really popular place for all these people to start um, with what they're doing um and yeah um so i had a question um and it was mainly just for the audience specifically um i know a lot of people here might know of premiere have heard, have heard of it but for those who don't do you want to explain like a bit of what it does and like kind of the mission and what the end goal is for sure so i think the kind of base of primer is the idea that when you're starting off something young like we've all started off programming young having a pack of people around you your age that are passionate about the same thing is you know 
infinitely beneficial. Like, I don't think I would have stuck with programming so long if I didn't have Scott, Ali, like other people my age who I was good friends with doing things together. So, you know, for programming, obviously the barrier of entry is quite low. You know, you just need a laptop, you just need a code editor. But for other things like microbiology or chemistry, the barrier of entry is a lot higher and it's a lot harder to find other kids who are like passionate about the same thing, especially when you're a bit younger. So the idea of Primer, uh, and we enable it uh, via various means, is that it's a way of finding other kids your age who are passionate about the same thing you are and helping you guys, co- helping them connect and learn together and kind of have that joint experience, if that makes sense. Okay, so uh, is it is it comparable in any way to places like TKS, like the, the Knowledge Society, or... Um how exactly are they how are they connecting the these kids sure so i think it's the most similar thing you can compare it to is a social media site uh we have lots of different kind of means of connecting people but we have these things called clubs like we may have the chemistry club or the microbiology club for example which you anyone can join anyone can contribute to it's kind of like a reddit board but uh a bit more like focused a bit more serious uh and then we have these things called rooms as well, which are these live audio experiences where all these ki- where kids can collaborate. And then sometimes we have like an adult there kind of guiding conversation and guiding the learning. But, you know, it's a great way to let kids kind of collaborate together. It's all about, you know, communication. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, I hadn't heard about, wait, okay, just to make sure, it, is it Premiere or Primer? How do you pronounce it? <laughs> it's Primer. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I hadn't I hadn't heard of Primer actually before I um, started looking into like what you were working on. Um, so I was pretty pumped to discover it because I'm definitely you know interested in all that. You know, being the co-founder of Build a Group, which is a community for um, you know young people trying to trying to learn all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so. Did Primer, how new is it? Is it, I know it's a startup, but like, have they, is it an open beta or, or how is, how far along are they? Sure. So it was started, there have been several phases to it. So it originally started as this company called Spark Learning back in around 2019, uh, and then rebranded to Primer around early 2020. So it, it's been available in public beta since around, I want to say January 2020, but around the start of 2021 was when we quote unquote launched uh, into a public kind of product, which anyone can sign up for, which is what it is now. So we're about a year and a half into it being public and so far so good. Awesome. And remind me when you joined? Uh, actually joined only a couple of months ago, so around September. Cool. All right. Yeah. So like how, how does that hiring process uh, go as a 15 year old? Um, you know, I, I can't imagine you like on LinkedIn going through the sort of like normal process. Did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? How did, how did that happen? So originally I reached out to the CEO, Ryan Delk on Twitter through a cold DM, uh, in summer 2021, just saying, I love what you're doing. You know, I think it's great. I went, you know, I resonate with the mission basically. Uh, it was a bit longer than that, obviously, but he actually saw a tweet on my Twitter saying, I'm going to be in San Francisco next week. And he was like, okay. Oh, cool. He was like, cool, thanks. Want to come along to our office? 
So uh, I actually went to their office. This is when I was still working on Subso, so I wasn't interested in working with them at the time. But I went along to their office, met the team there, uh, worked a bit with them, and uh, then went home. And nothing much happened because I was still working on Subso. But I started talking to Ryan again around you know late 2021 because we were you know talking about that you know when Subso was winding up and next steps. He was like, you know, if you ever want to come to work for Primer, we'd love to have your your perspective and your skills. So I was like, okay, and I joined. And obviously I work on a kind of part-time basis, just doing hours here and there, but it's worked out quite well for us, so. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and are a lot of your, your coworkers the same age or are you sort of an outlier in the, in the company? Um, obviously it's a startup, so there aren't too many uh, engineers and employees, but I think the next youngest person is this person called Lucas, who's taking a gap year right now so there's no one else kind of my age but they're most of the employees are quite young but no one in their teens all right all right cool um okay yes yeah, i mean speaking of gap years uh you're dropping out of high school at the end of this year is that correct that's right yeah the end of this academic year all right yeah i mean that's a that's a pretty big decision um how uh like why are you why are you taking this route uh how did you get your parents to be okay with it um how did it how did that happen yeah so that's quite a loaded question but i think the kind of basis of the decision was i believe compounding is the most important is like a very important part of life like compounding skills compounding money compounding property whatever like just getting more of something um and i kind of realized that if i'm at this point programming at this age i have the opportunity to be you know at the top of like programmers like at the top top if i'm you know where i am now today and i want to be doing everything to compound that and to get there so i kind of figured that doing you know the next few years of high school then university is not going to help me get there and if i want to get there i need to be dedicating time to it so that was basically the basis of the decision obviously there are a lot of other smaller reasons uh but that was the kind of big overarching one. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and uh, so I, I, I guess uh, your parents were totally okay with that. Oh, uh, my parents are actually both very academic. So the kind oh, of the boy. first, yeah, they both took the very classical university route. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it took, it took quite a bit of convincing. Uh, yeah. I, obviously, the first time I went to them with the idea, they were like, absolutely not. But, you know, I chipped away at it over a couple of months. I, you know, got them on calls with some people in the industry who I respected. Uh, they, you know, discussed it. And, you know, I'm, I don't think they're still 100% like completely on board. But, you know, they can see why I'm doing it and see why I want to do it. And, you know, they support me in it. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and what, I mean, what uh, made you decide to kind of drop out at the end of this year instead of at the end of high school? Did you just really feel like you needed to start the compounding process as soon as possible? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I want to drop out as, as early as possible, you know, because of compounding. But yeah. very, but this is actually the earliest I can drop out, like legally, for me to drop out is at the start, at the end of this year. Ah, so that okay. Was, that was the main driving force. But obviously, I've been thinking about this for years and years. So this wasn't like a new idea for this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, it, I mean, obviously, you're really in the like the the heart of the startup world. Um, but do you think you know? I don't. I'm not someone who knows a lot about you know software engineering or getting a job as a software engineer. Um, is it easier to get a job? 
at a startup without these degrees than at maybe, you know, say like uh, Netflix or Amazon? Or is it sort of just across the board, you don't really have to worry about that and it's more about your skill level? Well, I'd say, you know, there's definitely a mix. Like a lot of the larger companies like Amazon, Netflix, they're definitely going to favor having a degree a lot, mainly because they just get a lot of applications. So they need an easy way to filter out like the bad ones from the good ones. Uh, So a lot of the time, that's why they will require a degree. But I I know a lot of friends who don't have degrees and have ended up at jobs at these companies because they've been referred. So I think a lot of the time when companies say they like require a degree, it's not because they actually require one. It's just because they need a filter to filter out a lot of a lot of you know spam submissions. But yeah. I do think that obviously having a degree is helpful in some cases, especially at these larger companies, as I said. But honestly, at most startups I've seen nowadays, it's not even something that's discussed. You know, it's just what about yeah. what what you can do and what you've done in the past. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense, especially considering you know you had that connection directly to the CEO. Um, so you kind of you got to bypass that filter. The filter didn't didn't mean much in your in your uh, situation. Exactly, and um, I still, you know, I still I still had to go through the whole interview process. I didn't just get right into the job, but you know, especially Primer, Primer doesn't you know have anything on their applications about degrees because you know it's a very like non classical focused uh, company. So yeah, for sure. Um. All right. Now, I know. Uh, I I actually I, I'm seeing uh, Ariman ask a question here. He's wondering how Primer got the their handle on Twitter because obviously you know Primer's a pretty good, a uh, pretty good name. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure a hundred percent of the answer, but I do know that we had at with Primer for a while, and we only got at Primer a couple months ago, I think. But I think it was connections and a bit of money. I think is, that's the honest answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, I, I just going kind of going back to the community thing. Um, you know, with uh, Discord.gg/typescript. What are you like? What's your involvement on sort of a a daily or, or weekly basis with the community? And um, like, uh, what are your sort of core principles when it comes to community building? Sure. So I think one of the biggest things I always think about with community building, and this may seem obvious, but I see it again and again that people don't think about, is you need to be thinking about the experience for your users, not getting more users. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to Barricade about this before, actually. Uh, but you, one of the main things you need to be doing, you always need to be, when you're doing something, you need to think, is this going to be better for my current members? Because if your current members don't like the server, they're not going to be inclined to invite other people. Uh, and if new people come to your server and the current members aren't active, aren't you know, enjoying the server, they aren't either. So I think one of the main things you need to think about is how do I make the server better for the people who are here already? And then once you make it good for them, the natural flow of new people coming will come. And you know those people will be a lot more engaged than if you focused on just getting new members. Um, but day-to-day wise, at, uh, for the TypeScript server, uh, obviously, I read a lot of the messages. I join in on conversations, but mainly I talk about I like manage overarching decisions, like changes to the bot and you know changes to rules, etc. New channels instead of just the you know finicky moderation, because we have a moderation team and they do a very good job. So normally I don't do a lot of that, but I do you know spend you know, probably at least thirty minutes a day on the server, an hour a day, depending on how much time I have uh, managing it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, I completely agree with what you're, you're saying, you know, figuring out how to, um, make the situation for current members better, um, and focusing less on, you know, kind of advertising and, uh, stuff like that, you know, providing value is definitely kind of the top priority or it should be. Um, all right. So I guess, uh, I would want to know what sort of, uh, what, what are your future plans? Are you, are you happy working at primer? Um, are you still wanting to kind of go off and, and start your own startup? What's, what's the future looking like for you? Yeah. So the idea is when I drop out, I'm not dropping out to do something I could do, uh, or I want to take advantage of the stuff I would get from dropping out. So I don't want to drop out to purely work for someone else. That's not the plan anyway. Uh, I'm going to continue working for Primer or another company uh, full-time. And on the side, I'm going to experiment with a lot of ideas, kind of work on work on things and see what sticks. But I don't want to just work for Primer or another place uh, when I drop out. I want to eventually start something myself. But for now, when I drop out, I am going to work for someone else here. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good goal. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I actually had a question. Um, so when you decided to join Primer, and I, I'm not sure if you mentioned this a bit earlier, but uh, there are obviously a lot of startups out there. So um, what, what made you choose like Primer? What were you interested in like what they were doing? Were you interested? What were was it like a connection base? Was it like like I'm just kind of interested like why you chose Primer? Um. So I think I definitely resonate with their mission quite a bit. You know, they're there to connect kids who are passionate about things with other kids. And, you know, I know from first-hand experience that having peers around you your age who are passionate about the same things uh, is, you know, monumental for your progress. So I definitely resonated with their mission quite a bit. And I love the team there as well. They're very nice officers and just general good vibes. So I was like, you know, might as well. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and uh, it kind of aligns since Primer is focusing towards younger people um, and someone that's young working for them too. Um, that That's really, it's it's good to have it like that. Um, but yeah, um, so I actually had a question, another question um, about just uh, school and dropping out. So as you know, like there, there are a bunch of companies if you do plan to apply to another one besides Primer in the future. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, like these companies might, um, uh, like a degree might come in these like conversations. Um, so if, for example, do, do you have like a fallback plan in case things don't go as smooth as you want them to go? Yeah. So, I mean, there's always the option of going back to school, obviously. I mean, obviously that's not what I want to do, but that is always something I can do. And worst case scenario, I guess that is what I do. But I don't think it's actually going to be that big of an issue because the industry is, you know, trending a lot towards what you have done, not, you know, what degree you have on a piece of paper. But, yeah. you know, hope, hopefully I won't have to return to school. But, you know, it is always an option for me and it is always a fallback. So. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and I know, like, a lot of startups even, like, nowadays, like, it's just purely based off of experience and just what you've built um, and, and not more towards like school and stuff like that so i guess exactly. so you have like an easier time um if you do plan to work at another startup um but yeah um and i know ari had a question um yeah that he wanted to... yeah 
Yeah. So, I mean, something that I kind of have trouble with, um, just working in this kind of space, uh, is burnout and sort of like time management. Um, so I guess I was wondering to, you know, how, how do you handle burnout? You know, how do you man manage your, uh, manage your time and, and your schedule? And is that something you struggle with or, um, yeah, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I've definitely struggled with burnout in the past. Uh, it's been a very big issue for me, uh, you know, even recently. But I think one of the biggest things that you can do with burnout, honestly, is just, just keep going. Like, I, I hate how cliche it sounds, but the thing that sets you apart from other people is how well you can perform in times when you don't want to be working. You know, and it applies to other things as well. But just, you know, when you're burnt out, you know, obviously it's good to take time, take time away. You know, I play sports quite a bit. I go to the gym quite a bit. So that's a great way to like kind of separate your mind from programming for a little bit. But I think mostly, honestly, you just need to keep going because, you know, even, even, you know, if you hate, hate what you're doing the same day, you just keep going. You wake up the next morning. You know, a lot of the time I find, you know, I'm proud of myself for, you know, going the, the previous day. And obviously that's not going to work for everyone. For some people, you know, they just have, do have to take a break for a week or something. And, you know, I have taken breaks for weeks and it's helped a lot. But a lot of the time you just have to power through it because it will be okay in the end, basically. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I've experienced a ton of burnouts too, um, and I do agree. Um, and I know you've mentioned gym somewhere, so that, that brings me to my next question, actually. Um, as... You know, you've released an app called Uberlast. Um, so, what would you like like to explain how that worked and like the just idea where you got it from? Um, and yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, the main reason I wanted to make Uberlast was to get back in the swing of mobile development because before Uberlast, the last thing I did was Subso. And that was a couple months ago when I properly worked with React Native. So, I wanted to get back into the swing of uh, developing for mobile. And uh, you know, I thought, what would be what would be better than to build it out for a problem I actually have? So mm. in the gym, there's this concept called progressive overload, where you put like more tension on your muscle each time you go. Like you add a little bit of weight, or you do a couple more reps each time, so your muscle keeps having to like grow and grow. Obviously, it's a bit more complicated than that, but that's the that's the TDR. But what Uberlast does is it helps you manage it. So you just put in how many reps you're able to do with what weight and what uh with what lift. And it gives you recommendations for what to do the next session to always make sure you're doing a bit more than the previous one. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and it looks really good, like the UI. Um, how long did it take you to build it? Uh, honestly, a weekend. Uh, to get a version which I could use and I could uh work with, it was like three, four days. Uh, obviously to get it onto the app store took a bit longer because you have all the art or the privacy, but. The actual the actual version of the app just you know a couple of days because it's such a simplistic app you know there's no server everything's just stored locally so yeah very cool um so uh it's in React Native sorry React Native I'm assuming yeah that's right so you know, would you prefer um working like mobile web or like I guess web front end or back end like what do you prefer working um cool. on uh, I mean, I enjoy working on all three, uh, and I've built apps which have used all three before. But I think I mean, it, depend, it depends what day you ask me on, because sometimes I'll be infuriated with stupid React Native errors, and other days I'll be infuriated with you know responsiveness. But I think overall I enjoy working on mobile or uh, over web specifically, 
just because there's a lot less to deal with. You know, you're not having to deal with loads of browsers, not having to deal with loads of screen sizes. Obviously, you still have to deal with different phones like Android, iOS. But I found a lot of the time it's easier, and it's it's nice being able to use it actually on your phone, uh, and yeah. you know, walk around with the app in your pocket. So I'd say I enjoy mobile a lot more over web, but obviously I enjoy backend a lot as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, very very cool. Um, and yeah, React Native seems awesome, just like mobile development in general. I haven't gotten in, into it yet, but it seems something really fun to do. Um, so one last question that I had just about Uberlast was, is it going on Android? Uh, yeah, uh, I have a couple Android friends and I've made APKs for them. It works. Uh, Cody, you know, Lusky, who's listening in right now, actually did a lot of the Android work for Uberlast. Uh, it's a bit of effort to get it on the Play Store, uh, but I will get around to it eventually. And, you know, it's definitely been great making an app which both iOS and Android users can use. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. And I, I can definitely imagine, like, uh, as a developer, you know, being able to just whip out your phone and have that thing that you've been working on just right there uh, must be pretty unique. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, uh, what are your, what do you, do you have any tips on starting a, a software startup? Oh, uh, probably not the best person to ask because I haven't done it too many times. But I'd say definitely, uh, Couple, couple big things. You know, you want to be focused on the product a lot. Obviously, you need to validate the idea, but I wouldn't spend loads of time making a landing or you know making Twitter profiles. Like you just need to build, 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 and then you know stay quiet for a while. Uh, and then once you have a product which works, then you can start you know massively advertising and putting it on your Twitter. Because I think for a while, if you just overhype and underdeliver, you don't you know you're not going to you know not people aren't going to like it. But if you overdeliver and underhype, it's going to create a lot more happiness for your users yeah for sure i i think uh scott hyatt actually has a, a pretty similar yeah, um we've, yeah we've way talked, of doing things yeah we've talked about this quite a bit before yeah and i mean based off of the fact that you know you got that fitness app out in just what did you say two days yeah three four days yeah i mean that's insane um so I, there must be some merit to it um all right so I guess we could go on to the Q&A now. There are lots of questions for you here in this, this thread. Um, all right, let's take a look. All right, so uh, first question is from Comet, and he's asking, how was it to get a job as a software engineer at the age of 15? And how did your relatives and friends feel about it? Yeah, so I think I've talked a lot about how I got it before, so I don't think I need to go over that again. But For the sure. reaction from the people around me, I think, obviously, my friends find it quite cool. Uh, I don't know how much of it is the money-making-wise and how much of it is the programming, probably a bit more of the first. But, you know, my <laughs> friends obviously support me in it and find it quite cool. Uh, Family-wise, obviously, they support me as well. But I think at the start, at least, there was a lot of, you know, are you growing up too fast? You know, are you, you know, are you sure you want to be working at this age? Because, uh, you know, you have your whole life to make money, which I, I think is a very valid, you know, perspective and definitely something I've thought about before. But uh, I think I kind of just decided that, you know, I do want to be doing this and this is where I want to go. So, but that was definitely a good point from them. And I think it should be considered when taking a job this age. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Uh, Alefa asks, uh, what are some tips to create a startup in school? 
Oh, uh, I think honestly, it's not too different from creating a startup anywhere else. Just work your ass off and keep your head down. You know, don't flex about it too much. You know, just go to school, do your work, get home, work your startup, repeat, and then you'll get there at the end. For sure. Um, all right. That answer might actually sort of apply to this next question. You'll let me know. Um, Ali asks, what motivated you to start programming? And do you have any tips for people who want to become software engineers? Uh, sorry, the wind outside. You probably heard about the storm in England. Let me close my window one second. Okay, no worries. Um, yeah, so uh, what motivated me to start? Honestly, I can't remember. It was a while ago. I mean, I talked about Minecraft and stuff, but I don't know what kept me motivated. I think I just kind of kept making stuff. And there were definitely periods. Like, I remember there was this one summer where all I did was play this game called Ark Survival Evolved. And, you know, that, like, that was when I was a lot less... <laughs> That was when I was a lot less serious about programming, but you know, I racked up a lot of time on that, and I basically never wrote code at that time. But I did a lot of Roblox as well, and I think just being able to make stuff which your friends can use is massive, especially at the start. Um, yeah, tips wise, for, sure. for tips wise for starting programming is you just need to make stuff. Like it doesn't matter how good the code is, it doesn't matter if you don't think you're good enough. Like just set your mind to a project and just see how far you can go with it, because you can watch as many videos, you can read as many books as you want. But if you're not able to, you know, write the code and actually get practice in, then you're not going to go anywhere. So just all about practice. And it's going to take time and it is hard. But, you know, if you just make stuff, you'll get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's fantastic advice. Um, all right. Here's a sort of a, a, a not so serious one. Uh, Scott asks, who is your favorite person with the last name Hyatt? Uh, oh, that's got to be Anna Hyatt. Uh, Scott's mother's a very lovely lady. Talked to her a couple okay. times. And yeah. Yep, yeah. saw that one coming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Cody asks, how much do you bench and deadlift? Uh, oh, I actually hit a bench PR yesterday. Uh, 90 kilograms is my bench. Deadlift, I haven't gone for one rep max in a while, but my working set's around 120 kilograms. So do what Damn. you want with that information. <laughs> all right um well if anyone else has q a questions uh to put in the thread it's just under the events channel i see someone typing but i don't know if they're uh typing anything serious all right here we go um how how would you plan a roadmap for someone new to web development um i think honestly like road mapping out learning isn't such a good idea like obviously you can you can think about you know at what stage do i want to be able to make something but I think honestly, like saying this month I'm going to do React, this month I'm going to do TypeScript, I don't think that's such a good idea to do, to do. I think you should just set your mind to an end goal. Like, you know, I want to make an app or I want to make this website or I want to be able to make this game and just, you know, see what you need to learn to get there and just, you know, do it at your own pace. And, you know, if it takes you a bit longer to learn something than another thing, then, you know, so be it. I don't think it's so good to like timetable out your learning and just kind of just go for it and, you know, yeah. you'll get there. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. Um, I kind of just got myself interested, at least, in HTML and CSS, just, you know, deciding to make myself, like, a personal portfolio site. And um, I, mean, I think it was super efficient because, you know, I, I was trying, like, YouTube videos and online courses. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yes. I can say that that is good advice. For sure. Um, all right. So... Uh, Robert, it was really nice having you on. Um, it's just you're doing lots of crazy stuff uh, just for just being 15. So, um, yeah, I hope we can have another talk maybe in a year or two and uh, 
you know, you'll be the CEO of some some crazy startup or something. Hopefully. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. See ya.